Welcome to Word of God Broadcast with Pastor Opie Swells from Multitudes Church in Laurenburg, North Carolina. Our prayer is that your heart would be like moistened soil, ready to receive the seed from God's Holy Word. Now, today's message. Your feet 
I want to do something this morning that just probably doesn't need doing, but I don't, I don't ever take this for granted that everybody knows and remembers every Bible story. And so I'm going to actually read a couple of verses out of 1 Kings chapter 18, and then we're going to talk about it for a few minutes. And we're going to look into this chapter some more. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. And there was a severe famine in Samaria. I want to ask you, even if you're not a Christian, how many of you just know without any hesitation that we have a huge spiritual famine in our world right now? We do. It's parched. It's dry. It's cracked, it's tattered, it's weathered. And this is what was happening physically in Samaria. There was a severe famine, no rain. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For so it was while Jezebel massacred or murdered or killed the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and fed them with bread and water. And I've just got to stop right there and I've got to say this. A great indicator that you are in a right relationship with the Lord is when you fear less about what the government is doing than you do what is happening to the people of God and you do everything within your power because you fear God more than you fear man and you actually put your life on the line and you go, you go hide a hundred preachers, hundred prophets people that do the Lord's work. We live in a day right now where that's completely rare and unheard of because so many people are afraid of what the world is saying or, 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 or what the government says, what the government's take on this. And I've been saying it for a long time now. There's going to come, if the rapture does not occur first, there's going to come... Some major decision making in the body of Christ and it's going to start behind the pulpit. You may not even realize what I'm saying right now, but I want to tell you this. There was a time when the Lord just gave us a great illustration about weed and tares and all that. And I don't, even, I don't mean that toward the... Although the Lord was answering a question about people and about the, the, the condition of the church... I specifically mean this about the pulpit. 
because people cannot follow where they're not being led. And there are many pulpits today all over America. We're, we're going to stick to this country. All over the United States where not only are people afraid of the government, but people, men, only want to say what won't get them in trouble or what won't get them blackmailed or, um, I don't know, censored or what won't offend the world and stop people from paying money to churches. I'm telling you, there's a huge price to pay for that. And more and more, you're going to see as we get closer, earthquake after earthquake after earthquake, war after war after rumors of wars, it's going to get hot in the pulpit and men are going to have to make a decision. That ain't good preaching, and I know it ain't. But I want you to know this. The Bible says that holiness begins at the house of the Lord, and if it begins at the house of the Lord, it begins at the pulpit of the Lord. And so I know this, and one of my main prayers every day of my life, God, I want to be faithful. I don't care what Jezebel is saying in the world, in our culture, in in regardless of whatever facet it might be, God, I want to be faithful with this book of yours because you kept me here and you allowed me to preach. And so I want to preach the whole counsel of God. And Obadiah, you, you can only be this way when you fear God more than you fear everything else. So Obadiah did that. He feared God so much that he ignored how many people Jezebel had already massacred and he hid these prophets because he was afraid of God. And a lot of you really know the rest of this story. And I won't get all of the story in today, but I do want to hit the highlights because there was a famine there. And we need to know what to do about a parched place called this planet that we live in, spiritually speaking. We need to know what to do in these closing moments we're living in. And so... The story is that Elijah said, there's going to be rain, and I will have to paraphrase today, there's going to be rain, there's, there's a God that promised this, and the first thing I, I thought was very interesting in this whole story that God said, go. He told Elijah, go. He didn't say, you send, send this servant to do this. He said, you go. And Elijah went. And you know what happened. He commanded the 450 prophets of Baal at first, that interchange with Obadiah and Ahab and then with Elijah when they finally met. And Obadiah didn't want to do it because every time uh, Elijah said he was going to be somewhere, the Spirit of the Lord would carry him somewhere. And I'm just going to be kind of plain right this minute. He said uh, to Elijah, Obadiah said, I know... Because Elijah said, look, you go tell Ahab, I'm going to be right here. He said, no, I know if I do that, you're going to hook me up. And the Spirit of the Lord, as sure as I get there and I tell him, you here in this space, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is going to carry you somewhere else, and he's literally going to kill me. He said, as, as sure as the Lord lives, I ain't moving. I'll do what I said I'm going to do. And he said, you go get the 450 prophets of Baal. And a lot of people only talk about that, but there's actually 850 because there was uh, 400 more prophets the scriptures talk about 
to the goddess uh, Asherah. So that we had 850 prophets. They were all gathered at Mount Carmel. And you know about the two bullocks, the sacrifices, cut them up into pieces. There was a whole order in that. Cut them up, arrange the wood this kind of way. And then he said, what we'll do is whoever's God is real is the one that will respond. And so in verse 25, and I told you we're going to have to jump around today, is kind of where we're picking back up with the scripture. And I've left a few things out, but I want you to go read that on your own later on. And so after all this had taken place, when he said, the God that is real, the God that is alive, he will respond by fire. And verse 25 says, now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bullock for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many and call on the name of your God, but put fire, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it. And they called on the name of Baal. Listen to this, folks. From morning, they were praying. From morning until evening, until noon. Saying, oh, Baal, hear us. But guess what? There was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them. This is important today. Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is meditating. What he meant, he, was sitting, he said, maybe he's sitting on the toilet. I'm just going to be frank with you today. He said, he's a God. He's meditating. Uh, or, or maybe he is uh, busy right now. Or he is on a journey. Or perhaps he is He's sleeping and he must be awakened. He was mocking him, so they cried even louder and cut themselves, as was their customs, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. And when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the evening offering. They did not let up from praying and doing all these ridiculous things. They did it all day long, all afternoon long. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. I want to say this. Aren't you glad you serve a God who pays attention? Aren't you glad you serve a God that knows the amount of hair by number on your head? Aren't you glad that you serve a God that loves you enough to order your steps? Aren't you glad that you serve a God that cares enough about you to establish your going? Aren't you glad that you serve a God that knows what you need before you even need it? Praise be to a real God that's alive and forevermore. Hallelujah to his name. And I want to tell you, like Elijah, we need to be so sure of our walk with God that we can mock and make fun of the world instead of trying not to offend them 
or fit in with them, pastors, but everybody else. You see, there's a little phrase that all of us have gotten used to called political correctness. It's in the world, it's in the government arena, but now it's in the church. We want to be happy and we want to get along with every religion. The bumper stickers I hate are called coexist. I'm going to tell you, Jesus said, I am a rock of offense. I came not to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I'm going to be offensive to the religious community. I'm going to be offensive to the world community. I'm going to be offensive to the financial community. I'm going to be offensive. I am a rock of offense. But I didn't come to get along with everybody. And you've got all these religions now. I just saw over in Dubai or somewhere where they just built this thing. Last week they opened it up. A state-of-the-art religious center like you wouldn't believe. And it's, they've already had, including a Christian service for the Christian God, they've already got this. I don't know if it's in the billions. I know it's the hundreds of millions of dollars, no doubt. But they're trying to make, and all this is leading up to something, by the way, church. This is what the Antichrist is going to demand, only he's going to be the final God that everybody has to worship. So none of this stuff should come to surprise us. But the world we're living in right now thinks that everybody with all major religions, all denominations, everybody can get together. We can't because everybody don't believe that Jesus Christ is the truth. He's the only way and he's the only real God. So everybody's not going to get along. So my choice, my choice is either not to declare that not to say that, not to live by that, or to shut up and be quiet and deny that. So I don't offend everybody. So does everybody see where we are right now? You cannot, you cannot walk this walk but so long until you're going to find out in the world. Uh, you know, your workplace or your neighborhood uh, community may like it if you make cupcakes for them. I'm just trying to think of some vague thing or, uh, or a community group or whatever. They, might, they, they will tolerate so many things, but don't you dare bring Jesus into the picture. I don't know how many of you people keep up with this, but it's just like right now. Uh, they can have public libraries, can, can, uh, libraries can sponsor drag queen hour to read to children. Even in the classroom, this is locally now. We've got all kind of trans mess going on everywhere. But Kirk Cameron, those of you that know him, have a book out that's to encourage children about growing and, and, and really being good citizens, but also growing in the Lord. And he has been denied over 60 times for a public library room to do this. But... Any other lifestyle, any other doctrine, any other God can go. So church, this is why I'm telling you with everything I can tell you, if you live long enough, you're going to have to be rooted and grounded in your faith because the devil is going to try his best 
to persuade us that we've got to believe what the world believes and we're wrong and that even though their God can't respond, their God won't say a word, their God don't know anything about them because there is not but one God and his name's Jehovah. Hallelujah. So, I want to get to a point sooner than later in my walk where I can mock the world. And you know, everybody probably has heard or maybe you don't know a lot about it. I didn't watch it. It won't allow it into my home. But all this mess with the Emmys, Grammys, one of them. Don't care. Whatever happened two weeks ago when they all dressed up in red, satanic stuff at this big award show, you know about this, and they all went and CBS said, okay, it's time to worship. Yeah, where you watch your news at and where you watch your shows at. That same CBS along with Pfizer, go figure that one, sponsored this event and everybody was satanic, clothes on, horns, red and all. Church, you need to figure out sooner or later the world you're living in is not the world that you're supposed to be attached to. This world is not our home. I'm a citizen of a country that you can't even describe, whose builder and maker is my God that formed me in my mother's womb. That's my home. This is not my home. The world don't like you. The world hates you. It hates the God you talk about. And it just soon get rid of you as quickly, quickly as it can. And we've got to understand this, that God is for us and he's the only one for us. He's the only one for us. So, I don't want to fit in. I'm not going around trying to pick a fight with the world. But at the same time, I'm going to let my little light shine everywhere I go. Because like Obadiah, I'm more afraid of God than what anybody else will say or do. I'm more afraid of God, a holy, reverent fear, than I am what man can do to me. And we've got to arrive at that place. We've got to do it individually, corporately, but we've got to, we got to do it as a church as well. We've got to do this. So... After all that happened, when they were jumping up and down, cutting themselves. See, I want to be at a place, those people were so sold out to a dead God, it wasn't enough just crying out and just hollering and just praying all day. Those men got to where they were physically cutting themselves and bleeding for a God that was not even real. My God, help the church of the living God rise up to a place where we say, look, God said, I don't want you to cut yourself. I just want you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and serve me until I call you home. <laughs> Hallelujah. So after they did all this, and their God didn't pay attention, verse 30 said, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. Come near to me. See, when you know where you stand with God, you can talk smack to the world, and you can talk smack to the devil. 
but you've got to know that you were more in love with Jesus like Obadiah was with God than you are with anybody or anything else that exists in this world. So Elijah said, y'all come here to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Broken down, yeah. When you got a bunch of idiots jumping around for no reason at all, they'll mess up the church. They'll mess up the altar. They'll mess up. That's why all of these churches, when uh, we would have these riots and all that, you got these untamed people in the world that go in. They don't care about. They don't care about a house. I don't care what color the church was or what denomination it is. It's still a house of God, and people don't have no respect for the house of God, let alone the honor of God, and that's what these people did. They just made a mess of everything, and so the first thing, back to basics, church, the first thing that had to take place was he had to repair the altar. Now, I did not know this until this week. But that word repair actually means the word rapha. That's the word. That's the Hebrew word for that word repair in the Bible, rapha. As soon as I saw that definition, before I read that definition, I went straight to those names of God. One of the names of the God we serve, he is Jehovah Rapha. You know what that means? That word Rapha means to heal or to make healthy. The very first thing that Elijah needed, needed to do, and he knew it, I need to go. This is a sick altar. It's been transgressed. It's been mocked. It's been used to waller on. It's been used to jump up and down on. It's been used to bleed vile blood on. The first thing, it's got to be healed. It's got to be repaired. It's got to be healthy because we're going to approach a holy God. And so we've got to have a holy altar if we're going to ask a holy God to do a holy mighty thing. So he repaired. He healed the altar first. I pray every day, Jehovah Rapha, thank you that you are the Lord that heals. But now I pray it even different. Because I realize Romans chapter 12 verse 1 tells me and tells you that I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What goes on altars, sacrifices do. And that's why we're supposed to be and live a sacrifice unto God, not a dead, not a dried, not a predictable. We're supposed to be a living sacrifice. It's in Him that we live, we move, and we have our being. If you don't live, you don't move, there's not some kind of being about you with the work of God, you probably not are not in Him. And that's why I've got to get my act together in these closing moments called life on earth. Because God wants me to live a little bit more than I've been living. He wants me to move a little bit more than I've been moving. He wants me to sacrifice a whole lot more than I've been sacrificing. And he wants it on the altar of Almighty God. So, church, listen, listen to this. 
We are, all of us here, we are always needing God to repair us as we serve Him in a broken world. Because my body, every day that I live, when I wake up, when I wake up every single day of my life, I'm supposed to lay myself on the altar of God and say, God, here I am. I mean, before I do anything, before I do anything, I'm supposed to say, Lord, I'm laying on the altar, and I am here for you to enjoy me today. Yesterday, I got cut bad. Yesterday, they told me a report I didn't want to, and I need you to come and repair me right now so that I can come and live one more day. Because you see, you're going to get a bill in the mail that you just cannot handle. You're going to get some news that's going to devastate you sometime. And you need a healer. You need Jehovah Rapha to come in and repair you so you can live that sacrificial life that God has called us all to live, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God knows that. I've been carrying this for years. I felt this way for years. Maybe in some cases it would just take one day of living on the altar of sacrifice and God would come and repair that. The altar has been broken in my life. The altar has been used for just convenient purposes in my life. Only when I'm in a bind or when I'm in a valley do I cry out really from the altar of God. But there's got to be a day when I understand that God has summoned me in his word and he summoned us all and said, listen, you cannot do anything in ministry or in life unless you are a living sacrifice, unless the altar in your life, you cannot get anywhere unless you've prayed about it, unless you've sought me, unless you've laid down and said, God, here I am. Do whatever you want to do in my life. I am yours. We've established an order when we need it, but we've forsaken it at other times. And God has said today is the day of salvation when I need to reestablish and repair the order in my life. Not a one of us in here, not a one of us prays nearly as fervent or as much as we do when our hearts are broken, when our needs are unmanageable, when our minds have absolutely no clue of what to do next, or when our child is in a hospital somewhere, or our spouse, or a family member, or we don't know how we're going to put food on the table. None of us, and I can say this, because it's true. None of us pray like we do when we need. But you know what? When we get in a place, we don't care. We will cut the phone off. We will borderline hurt somebody's feelings because it's time to touch God. These other gods that I play around with, they're not answering me right now. All these things that consume my life and all these things that keep me stretched and busy, they're not answering. They're not saying a word. But i got to get a hold of my God. So I'm going back to the altar. And I'm leaving it all alone. And God will repair the need of my life. And he will put me where I need to be. So church, it's a hard, hard 
thing to do to repair the altar. It was a hard thing to do. Do you know that when Abraham, when Abraham laid Isaac on the altar, can't, I, nobody, we can't even imagine that. Not a single person. We can't imagine what that was like. A promised child by God to be laid on the altar. Now you're going to take him? But he said, we're going to go worship and we coming back again. When you know your God, you can make some bold statements. Well, I'm just going to pray and see what God's will is. When you know your God, when you know your God, when he answered the last time you prayed for somebody, when he made a way, when, there, when you know your God, you can say like Elijah did, there's about to be rain. You can say, I don't care about Jezebel. I got to protect God's plan. I got to protect God's man. When you know your God, you can lay your baby on the altar and you can know that God will perform that which he has promised. When you know your God, when you don't know your God, when the altar's not your friend, then you got one of these real casual safe prayer lines. Convenient prayer lines. And you know God was an, an actual eyewitness to Abraham's faith. God witnessed with his eyes from heaven. God witnessed. He didn't go by this lip service, oh God, uh, I just got a lot of faith in you. Nope. God was an eyewitness to the faith of Abraham when when his son was on the altar. You see, we walk by faith, not by sight, but we usually demand that God shows us something before we take the first step. And the big things in life, God ain't going to give you the next step. The God, God I'm talking about is going to say, no, just lay it on the altar. Just get on the altar sacrifice on the altar and then I'll have the ram when I'm ready to reveal it to you that's some hard stuff right there but he's a faithful God church he's a faithful God he's not a man that he would lie he's not I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging for God is not going to allow you to be made fun of because you trust him with all your heart he's not a man that he should lie He's not going to let you get out here and make a fool out of yourself. You might be the only one. Elijah said, I'm the only prophet of God that's still standing. But I'm not going to punish him. I'm still going to be faithful and trust and serve him. And I know he's going to make it rain. I know he's going to bring fire. I know he's going to do because I know my God. Do you know your God today, church? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Genesis uh, chapter 20, it, it, it do us all real good right now to remember this. This story in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 20, verse 17. So Abraham prayed unto God and, and God healed Abimelech and his wife. You need to listen to everybody that was affected by this. Abraham prayed unto God and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants and they bear children 
Now, what happened was Abraham, quick story, told that Sarah was his sister, which she was, but she was his wife. God visited Abimelech in a dream. And so, listen, when God got through with Abimelech and said, look, man, I'm about to mow you down. That ain't in any kind of translation. Don't go looking for it. He said, I'm about to wipe you out because you brought all this. To... And the king said, I did this. Abimelech said, God, I didn't know I was doing that. He said that was his sister. I would have never done that. God said, you, re you, you, restore, you restore Sarah back to Abraham, and I will fix things. Because see what happened, church. All through all of that, through every bit of that, from the time that Sarah was in the, in the court of Abimelech until she was restored, guess what God had done? God had shut everybody down. The men, the women, no children. We don't know what that time frame was, but there was no action, Jackson, during all that time. Nothing. God says no. Because, see, when you offend God, when you try to mess up God's plan, God will always say, hey. And that's what he did. That's what they were doing right there. So the Bible tells us that when Abraham prayed, you pray at an altar. When you pray unto God, God healed. You know what that word healed means? That's rapha. Same word, same definition. Rapha. When God repaired the wound of all the ladies, the men, everything about everybody's reproductive systems and, and everything that was involved that was afflicted by, by that one move. God says, okay, I'm going to shut it all down. And it was broken from that moment on. And then God says, well, it's time for me to repair it. So God repaired all the dysfunctions in the king and everybody else's body, and they bear children. And what's the point here? The point is that you and I, We've got to understand this, that when we allow God to heal us, after we've healed the altar in our house, we healed the altar in our car on the way to work, we repaired the altar, God will come in and God, He will heal and repair everything else in your life and you will bear children of some sort. God, you might bear children of some type of monetary prosperity. You might bear some kind of children of wisdom. You might bear it in a blessing of another way or health or something else. But I'm telling you, when God repairs, when God heals, things happen. But we've got to know that we've got to get back to the basics. We can sing Amazing Grace and Victory in Jesus, and I get excited as I do about anything, but i got to realize it don't matter. I got to go first like Elijah did, and I got to fix what's broken in my life. I've got to fix the preacher's altar. I've got to get my altar right. I've got to realize that God don't want my mouth only. 
God wants me to lay me on the altar. He wants to me to do some sacrificing. And when I do that and God heals me, God repairs me, then all kinds of things will start happening in my life. But God will never work outside of his plan and he will never work outside of his altar. We don't have time to pray. We don't like to pray. We're too busy to pray. God don't hear me when I pray. He don't answer when I pray. So 2 Chronicles 7, 14 brings this up. If my people, you know, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And he's talking about his people now. And turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will Rafa, repair, heal. We said our land is messed up, it's dry, it's a famine, but God said when his people would start off praying, not just going to church, not just treating it like it's another casual thing, but when we would pray with our heart, pray with every bit of vigor we have when we would pray like God's about to take us home if we would just pray seek his face turn from our wicked ways he said I'd hear from heaven and uh, Laurenburg Scotland County all that shooting going on I'll heal your land I'll repair your land I'll fix your land but I need you to sacrifice I need you to pray first. I need you to turn first. I need you to let me do what I need to do in your life first, and then I will repair. Why? Why do we spend more time talking about how bad it is to one another or posting or quoting than we do sacrificing on the altar of God where God can hear us and he can heal our land? Why do we do that, church? Because the wrong God, the wrong gods have us fooled, have us busy. Oh, boy, you better watch out now. Have us preoccupied, have us mesmerized, has us everything. The wrong God does, and we still jump up and down for him. We cut ourselves. We'll lay out of church. We won't pray. We won't worship. We won't sing. We won't give. We'll do everything else for these dead gods that don't hear, don't respond, don't give peace, don't answer. But we won't spend five genuine minutes slashed open before God and say, God, heal what you got to heal and use me as a living sacrifice today. If we would do it, God said, I will repair. That's what he said. Can I give you these two things real quick? Repairing two things that you need to understand. First thing is that repairing the altar will deliver you and escort you from your comfort zone. When Elijah built the altar, repaired, rebuilt the altar, if you keep reading chapter 18, he had to move 12 heavy stones as part of his repairing. You're not going to build an altar and it be an easy thing. You're not going to repair because you're used to watching certain shows. You're used to being at this place at this certain time. 
you're used to doing this. You're used to being first in line somewhere. I, I, I am too. We're used to all these things. It's going to be heavy, tedious, nonsense, or so it seems, work, all of that. If you repair the altar, Eli, uh, Elijah did, you're going to have to realize it's going to be some heavy work, friend. It's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some desire like you've never had before. You're going to have to just explain some, or maybe not even explain things to people. Just say, this is what God wants. I might not eat today, but I ain't breathing if I don't pray today. Next week will be prayer. It'll be different than it's ever been since we've had it in the past decade or ever. How long we've done it? 15, 20 years. It's going to be different. Worried about slides. I ain't even worried about music playing. What I'm worried about most of all is that there ain't going to be enough room because somebody's going to pray starting next week and you're going to say, well, there ain't enough room here, but I'm going to go around here because if Jesus was to call me home right now, I want to be at an altar praying. I want to be with people that want to pray. I want to be calling out, God, I need you to heal the land. I need to quit fussing about it. You ain't going to vote nobody in or out that's going to fix it. You need to get your mind off that hell and you need to get your mind on the God of heaven. He's the only one that hears. He's the only one that can heal. So it's time for the church to get back to the basics and do what God told us he would do if we will let him operate in our lives, church. So here we go. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Help me, God. It's going to take you out of your comfort zone. It ain't going to be convenient. I'm going to fuss with you. Mama, daddy, blah, blah. You're supposed to meet me here at such and such. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The second thing is repairing requires faith. When God dropped this in my heart, this blessed me as much as anything. Repairing requires faith. The last thing that was on Elijah's mind when he was pouring all that water, I didn't read that part to you, but you need to go home and read it, chapter 18. After they jumped around all day, all afternoon, and nothing happened, this is what somebody that knows where they stand with God does. He says, you put all that up there, and then I want you to go get me tub after tub of water. We're going to saturate it down. We're going to wet it down. We're going to wet the bullets down, all the cut-up pieces of meat. We're going to cut the wood down. We're going to pour so much water, it's going to run off, and it's going to fill up this big trough around. See, when you know your God, you know how your God works. And so... Elijah had faith that he didn't even question. Last thing that was on his mind when he was saturating the sacrifice was wondering, I wonder what God's going to do with me doing all this. I wonder what God's going to do. I wonder how God's going to act. And it might be a time that I, I, I'm coming down there. It's, this is crazy. There might be a time, I'm coming right here where these altars are, I can tell you that. God wants you to get to a place in your walk before the trumpet sounds. That you know him so well, you were so close to him. 
It doesn't matter if it rains on your sacrifice or somebody else comes along and they wet it. You know your God that when you pray, you can go read it. You need to read it, church. 62 words, count them. 62 words was all he got out of his mouth. And I love it. Not only did the fire consume the animal and the wood and the water, the Bible says that the fire even consumed the rocks, the stones that was around it. I want to be at a place with my God before I die that when I get on an altar and I pray and I call out, dead people come back to life. Your marriage gets fixed. Your job gets fixed. Your health gets fixed. Your mind gets fixed. This church can't even get through a song without somebody giving their heart to Jesus or somebody getting healed or somebody knocking on the door to let them in because there's not enough room. I want to get to a place where I'm so sacrificed to the Lord God Almighty that God says, there he is. All he wants is what I want today. So everything he says out of his mouth, I'm going to answer. I'm going to respond. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to adjust it. I'm going to do it. I want to be so close to God. My name ain't Obadiah, but it starts with an O, and I want to be the man. Before we end our broadcast today, I just want to ask you a simple question. Do you know Jesus Christ? Not do you go to church, not do you have a cross in your home, but do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, meaning that you realize you were born into a world of sin and you are a sinner, and you violated the law of God and you stored up wrath, and for that you feel bad and so bad that you've asked him to forgive you and you've changed your way of living to reflect following Christ. If you haven't done that, that's exactly what this entire broadcast is about. It's not about a bunch of people or a bunch of money or attending our church, but it's asking you this question, are you ready to meet the Lord face to face and give an account for your life? If you have not done that, or you're not sure, we need to pray right now. And the prayer doesn't have to be a lengthy prayer or an intelligent prayer, but it has to be a prayer of faith from your heart. And you have to pray. You can pray in your own words, but you must realize during the course of your prayer that without the forgiveness of God Almighty, that there is no way you'll have peace with God now or for all eternity. So I want to pray for you. God, I pray for every person listening right now. Lord, that they would understand that it's not your will for any to perish, but for all to have everlasting life. And I'm asking you, oh God, to help my friends right now that may be praying to know that you are waiting. You stand at the door. You said in Revelation 3, you stand at the door and knock. You're waiting on us, Lord. And help them to know, Lord, when they call on you, that they can be saved and they will be saved when they pray from their heart and they make up their mind that they're going to follow you. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, you are now a child of the Most High God. Not only do you have an advocate, not only do you have a friend right now that sticks closer than a brother, but you've got the hope of heaven one day. And for that, I am so glad. 
If you prayed that prayer today, why don't you just take just a moment, if you don't mind, and uh, reach out to us at multitudeschurch.com forward slash uh, saved, S-A-V-E-D. Or you can send us a text that just says saved to 910-400-1199. That's the word saved to 910-400-1199. Listen, we'd like to help you out on your journey. And there's no strings attached. We just want you to know we're trying to finish our course and fulfill the Great Commission. And you're part of that. So let us pray for you. And if you have any kind of prayer request, why don't you uh, share that with us? Uh, We will not reach back out to you and ask you for anything, uh, but you're welcome to email us and let us know what your prayer need is right now. And that's just a simple email uh, to prayer at multitudeschurch.com. Thank you again for being a part of our broadcast. And we look forward to seeing you in heaven one day for all eternity. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church or to watch entire services, please visit us online at multitudeschurch.com. You can also find us on most social media platforms.